Hi, everyone. My name is Stephen Kilger, and I'm the managing editor of Feeding Grain Magazine and the host of the Feeding Grain Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today as we dive deep into the issues affecting the feed manufacturing, grain handling, and allied industries. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bin Whip from Numat Systems. The powerful dual-impact bin whip removes the toughest buildup and blockages in industrial storage silos without hazardous silo entry. Learn more today at binwhip.com. Today's episode was recorded at this year's Jeeps Exchange with Johnny Wilson, PhD to the Technical Services Team at Central Life Sciences. We recorded at the show, which was fun, but means there's a little more background noise than normal, so please bear with us. We're talking about insect control and stored grain, how they grow and spread, different stages of infestation, why active mitigation is better than rescue operations, and why it's important to the bottom line at your facility. I hope you enjoy the interview. If you want to help out the podcast and are listening to this in a podcasting app, please rate us and subscribe. If you're listening to this online, sign up for the Feeding Grade newsletter, Industry Watch, to see the latest podcasts and stay up to date on all the latest news from around the industry. Now, with that out of the way, on to the show. So why don't we just start with you telling me and the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do in the industry, kind of your background. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Johnny Wilson. I uh, do the technical service work for Central Life Science in the Specialty Ag Department. So I handle all of the stored grain products, some on the feed side. My background is all in feed manufacturing, grain processing, grain storage. I'm a farm kid who grew up in central Kansas and uh, kind of spent my whole life in in agriculture. I love every minute of it. So whenever I get the chance to talk about feed and and grain and grain processing and grain storage, I'm excited. Well, that's good. Then you're in the perfect place, right? You're on the podcast. This is what we talk about. Right. Uh, (laughs) To everyone listening, we're actually at the Jeeps Exchange right now where you guys, Central Life Science has a booth. Can you uh, talk a little bit more about the kind of the dangers of insect infestations and bulk grain storage and what really effects that'll have, especially towards the bottom line, um, if you're not managing, proactively managing that kind of thing? Yeah, so absolutely. I'll, I'll start that out by telling a little bit of a story first, that uh, about a year and a half ago, Central Life Sciences decided that we needed to have a more robust technical service department devoted to answering some of these specific questions and because of that, I, uh, I joined the team, and I am the only non-entomologist on the team. I am a, a grain processor by trade, and I know enough entomology to be dangerous. <laughs> and I uh, lean on the rest of my group to help support that, and, uh, and we've, we've both learned a lot and taught each other a lot through the process. But really where our focus was, was taking the financial metrics, putting insect damage in that context to our customers. Historically, entomologists in our industry have done a great job from the qualitative aspects of insect infestation as it relates to, you obviously don't want bugs in your food. Everybody can agree on that story. Yep, yep, that's an easy one. (laughs) From an an entomology perspective, it it should be a, a relatively easy jump to say, if you don't want it in your food, you don't want it in your raw ingredients. So you're gonna do everything that you can. Well, in a perfect world, that would be the case, but we have things called uh, cost analysis that we have to, to work through, and we have to financially prove it to our own company that the things that we're doing make financial sense. Because at the end of the day, you have to make money to keep the lights turned mm-hmm. on, so you can't just spend all you've got on everything. We would love to do that to completely eradicate pests, but you can't do it. So 
bringing those financial metrics and tying pest control and an IPM to that is critical. Being able to go into those meetings with the grain merchandisers, procurement folks, nutritionists, the folks that don't necessarily have the hands-on milling experience and being able to demonstrate to them, these are how insects are causing you loss in profits due to a loss in raw ingredient, due to a loss in milling efficiency, and just being able to tell that return on investment story, to put their mind at ease of, yeah, I know that we're adding eight cents per bushel Mm -hmm. onto the cost. And that's a, a scary proposition whenever you add anything onto your cost of goods produced. But then being able to show the downstream benefits of you're actually increasing milling yield, you're increasing net energy availability, metabolizable energy availability, just dry matter quantity overall, and and putting some metrics into that really helps put their mind at ease and tell the story. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially because, well, I mean, it's about grain quality too, right? And the worse your grain quality is, the more money it's going to cost to make your product and the more, quite frankly, dangerous it is to have that in storage, right? Like, insects create hotspots, and hotspots lead to real issues with fires and things. They absolutely do. And in addition to that pure, just economic Mm -hmm. standpoint where, okay, insects might cause a percentage grain loss, you also have those, we'll call them biological and physical risks associated with it. When insects feed, a lot of them create fines. Mm -hmm. Well, those fines are expressed in grain dust as you work throughout the processing stages. It also can create brittle kernels, which through the milling process can also generate more dust, Mm -hmm. more fines. Depending on the insect, you might have more moisture introduced or less moisture introduced, which then makes those hot spots and can increase you know, bin fires that way or can yeah. create more dust and create hazards that way. So also pairing that environmental health and safety aspect with that, along with the financial, now it really starts to make sense when we can show value on multiple different stages. So for companies that don't do this all the time and maybe are kind of more lax with their fumigation practices, you know, maybe they wait till there's an infestation and they throw some phosphine in there and they kind of deal with it that way. Um, What are some of the best practices and tips you have? Start their program and get it working in the right direction. Yeah, so we really need to think about these products in different classes and classify our customers into different buckets. So I'll go ahead and touch on that a little bit. In terms of the customers, we need to think about the on-farm production, Mm -hmm. who also store quite a bit of of inventory, as well as the elevator side, and then continuing on to the processing side. And there's certainly value at all of those different levels that can be shown through using uh, products like this and doing uh, this preventative approach to IPM. Next, we need to get into the different classifications of products, and I'll, again, put those into buckets and have the preventative, Mm -hmm. reactionary, and all-encompassing products. So on the preventative side, you've got the insect growth regulators that are stopping that population growth by controlling the adolescents from reaching maturity and becoming reproductive adults. Then you have the reactionary that are just taking out the adult populations, but you're not getting full coverage on those emerging uh, adolescents that will become adults and will continue that problem. Then we have this all-encompassing products that handle all of the different life cycles and provide that complete control. 
Yeah, and I mean, it seems to me like a no-brainer, right? As an outside observer in the industry, like, obviously you'd want to control all of it, right? You'd want to do it, because once... I, I use insects a lot as, like, examples of exponential growth, right? It only takes a few days from you having a problem you can't even see to having a really bad infestation that you really have to worry about now and can cost you a lot of money. How, do, how should people kind of learn what kind of insects are in their grain what kind of testing sampling should they do and at what step should they like start really putting these products on yeah so we'll steal your segment there as a segue into talking about some of the research that we've done and within the technical service group here at central life sciences about a year and a half ago we decided to make a large investment in this space because we need to quantify the metrics that our customers use in order to make these decisions. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we're in this business to make money, and we have to demonstrate that the return, that they're getting an appropriate return on their investment. You're committing a portion of your profits over to protecting the grain, protecting your investment, and we want to demonstrate that you're getting the most bang for your buck by the end of it. And part of that is just showing and quantifying how much loss can result as a function of this inf insect infestation. So we've set up a series of trials where we look at different species of the insects because that has a great impact on how much grain loss gets demonstrated. In our trials, we looked at lesser grain borers and rice weevils and really mapping out how much damage they can do over 30 days, mm -hmm. 60 days, 90 days, and quantifying all of the different parts of the whole that they are consuming from. And then from that, building a, an ROI to show the customers, well, I recognize that you've spent this much money, but you stand to gain this much when it comes to total grain loss, total fines reduction. And then we can carry that out into some other qualitative factors. You're generating less dust due to the uh, lack of feeding. You're helping to control that moisture migration that might be caused by insects. You get an, another level of biological control and pathogen control because we know that insects have an impact on the propagation of, of molds and the movement of salmonella through grain and things like that that might be a little bit tougher by themselves to build a value story on but when you combine it with that total grain loss now it becomes a no-brainer and we picked those dates because a, a big part of the feedback that we get is, well, I don't hold grain long enough. Mm -hmm. That's one of the, the cornerstone arguments against why I don't need to, to do IPM. I just don't hold grain long enough and they don't have enough time to do damage. Well, even after 30 days in the right insect populations, and if you have a big enough problem, which oftentimes the people that say, I don't need pest control because <laughs> I don't hold it long enough, they're the ones with the biggest problem. Even after 30 days, we're demonstrating a positive ROI on handling those adult populations. And if you get into a problematic situation, you might need that all-encompassing product that handles the adolescents, the adults, that has a synergist. In addition to that, you might also have to do traditional fumigation and incorporate the just general housekeeping, sweeping, bin cleanouts, doing perimeter sprays, doing all of that. Then once you get the population under control, you might be able to look back and say, well, now we can just do adolescent control, or now we can do a more robust rejection. Even then, the markets change, and you might be in a year where you just can't afford to reject mm -hmm. product, and you're gonna have to take bad grain because you still gotta run 
And we need to be cognizant of that. So are you willing to accept the risk of taking in those bad shipments and introducing bugs into a facility that's not protected? And now you're infesting everything on site. And now you have to go back to square one, work so much harder to get it back in line, whereas it's so much easier and cost-effective to do that preventative step right from the beginning. But that can be difficult to do because oftentimes you don't see the bugs yeah. until there's a big problem already in there. So doing this financial analysis and demonstrating that we see shrink up above dry matter shrink. I'm talking about the, the actual grains being consumed it shrink, not a moisture loss shrink, above 3.5% at 90 days wow. with just lesser grain borers. With rice weevils, it's even higher. That right there demonstrates an intense need for robust insect identification when it's coming in, teaching and receiving guys the difference between a weevil and a red flower beetle or a lesser grain borer, knowing what to look for and just demonstrating that destructive capability of the weevil and how deadly they are to operations. Well, yeah, well, that's the saying, right? Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It, once again, in my mind, it's a no-brainer, right? Just Because even if you are have such a, a turnover where you're getting rid of it in 30 days, all you're doing is passing on that infestation to someone else, right? You might have not have it be such a problem that you have to deal with it, but if you're shipping grain, then that your customer might have to deal with it. Or... Uh, you get a barge rejected or you get a ship rejected from another country and then the kind of good luck explaining that well you know and we already do this analysis with uh, recalls as part of your food safety plan mm -hmm. we we have a cost analysis set up for how much does a recall cost well that's why we have things like magnets in place. That's mm -hmm. why we have all of these different preventative steps in place. And we need to put this in the same mindset as that, that we are preventing that risk of future exposure that we're not financially prepared for and that can cause a massive disruption to our operation, while also at the same time knowing what the cost benefits are immediately to us. Mm -hmm. When you pair those things together, it becomes a no-brainer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you are at uh, Jeeps, and you guys, Essential Life Sciences, just kind of launched a new product called Gravista D. Uh, can you explain a little bit about it and where it fits in that chain of, uh, you know, prevention, humigate, uh, you put it so elegantly, I can't. <laughs> so I, I came up with those buckets because I got so sick and tired of hearing this idea of a rescue treatment. Mm -hmm. And the example I like to use is when you see the bugs, now you want to do a rescue treatment on the grain. And my argument is you're not actually rescuing at that point because there's already been damage done. We can't blend away the shrink. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can blend the grain down to get it to an acceptable IDK, uh, an acceptable level of insect damage kernel or IDK. You can get it blended down so there's not as many live insects. But there's still been a quantity of grain that has been consumed and it's lost. You can't blend away that shrink, period. So is it really a rescue? No, it's a response. Mm -hmm. Someone's drowning out in the ocean, you toss them a life preserver and then drive away. Yeah. So at least they're not drowning anymore, but they're still in trouble. Mm -hmm. Now we need to go back and do that all-encompassing uh, package. We need to control the adults, the adolescents, and then help boost its effectiveness. That's where Gravista comes into play. It has three different active ingredients. It has that insect growth regulator, the IGR, in the form of S-methaprine that's stopping those populations from getting out of control, stopping that growth cycle and the adolescents from reaching the mature age. 
but it's also handling the adults as it comes in. The PBO-8 is added in as a synergist to not only boost the effectiveness and prevent uh, future resistance from, from happening, but it also increases the rate of absorption because all of these uh, active ingredients, they need to come into contact with the insect or they need to be consumed by the insect yeah. to be effective. So also noting that we need to have a good operation to apply this uh, this product is pretty key. Mm -hmm. One place where fumigation is nice is you can do it inside of a bin without actually moving the grain. Ours needs to be applied onto the grain stream as it's moving in. We have some very easy ways of doing that on receiving legs as it's coming in, on drag conveyors underneath boot pits, uh, underneath of the, uh, the receiving base. Some operations, just depending on what their labor force might look like or how far north they are, uh, how often they freeze, or, or any other number of just quality of life things. Sometimes it just makes more sense to use a dry product. And certainly if you have a smaller operation that maybe you only hold 50,000 bushels worth of grain, you don't want to set up a liquid system that maybe you only utilize for a week out of the year and then have to do maintenance on it. it makes a lot more sense to use a dry product and have that be applied. And you can do that manually, certainly. Uh, there's also some very, very uh, cost-appropriately priced machinery that can do it on the inline grain stream. I'm talking less than $1,000 to do something like this. And then you're completely hands-off. You're not committing labor to doing anything like this. And it's just all about convenience. It's putting it in the package that's easiest to utilize for the customer and removing those barriers for use. Yeah, and well, that's where it, it once again going back to like a safety thing. Like, do, only doing it once in a while when you do have that rescue system. That's where mistakes happen, right? That is where someone makes a mistake. Someone doesn't fill out paperwork correctly. Someone doesn't get the right permits in place. <laughs> like, they don't do the right steps, and that so having it just as part of your process just makes sense to me. Because let's face it, your grain has insects in it. It just does. There is no. There's no truckload of grain out there that doesn't have any eggs or any insects in it. it just give me enough time and I'll find one. <laughs> exactly. So it's it just makes sense to be like, ah, oh, this is a continuous part of my process. Um, but for people who want to learn more, where should they go uh, to find out more information? Yeah, we have a really great website called bugfreegrains.com. Uh, when you go to that first loading page, it get, gives you all the information that you want over all of the products that we have to offer, how they can be implemented into your process, some of the machinery options that you have to do the application. It's nice because you don't need any sort of fumigation certification to use it. Any Joe off the street can just buy this stuff and use it. It's incredibly safe and easy to use all of these products in dry and liquid form mm -hmm. just for that convenience factor. And that's the thing. We want to remove those barriers to entry. It doesn't need to be scary. It needs to be easy and it needs to be cost effective to do it. So from that page, uh, there's also some informative videos that uh, that I've been mm -hmm. doing and, and some of the other folks within our organization to just help educate customers on the, the different value that can be shown by using our products and how easy it is. Um, in addition to that, we have uh, a mailing list that you can get on some e-blast and, and stay in the know on some of the, the new and upcoming things that, that we have in the pipeline. Yeah, Pleasure Marketing t Team does a great job on like, making things fun and interesting. And I mean, I know that sounds like it shouldn't be a big deal, but as anyone who's like tried to go through research papers to figure out how this stuff works, it can kind of get in the weeds real, real fast and go over at least my head before I know it. <laughs> 
I, th I think I'm allowed to say this since I've got some letters after my name, but we as researchers do a very poor job of conveying all of this great research and great things to the general public, and if we have a failing, it's that. So pairing that with an effective marketing strategy, yeah, just because you've gathered all of this amazing research and done this you know, life-changing thing, if no one reads it, it doesn't matter. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Johnny. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Uh, until next time, stay safe.